Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tabletop Cyberpunk. This is the podcast about Cyberpunk 2020 and Red, the tabletop games. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a very special guest. I have Colby Elliott, Narrator Supreme. How you doing, Colby? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today, man. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. We're here to talk about one of my all-time favorite books, now in audiobook form, Listen Up, Primitive Screwheads. Colby, you have taken the task of putting this thing into the future. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to get straight into that. But before we do, make sure you guys join the Discord community. The link is in the description below. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JohnJohnTheWise. And if you want to support me, Patreon.com slash JohnJohnTheWise. That's the best way to support me. I love all my patrons. Thank you guys so much for the support. And if you're listening to this, on Tabletop Cyberpunk, the podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe on the YouTube channel and vice versa. That's where most of my content is. And thank you. I did that under a minute. I always try to do it like under a minute. No one likes advertisement. But if we could do it under a minute, then it's all good. And I'm going to pass it to Colby. Uh, Colby Elliott, sir, please tell us everything about yourself. Oh, well, I've been narrating audiobooks for quite a while, uh, since about 2010. And uh, my company, Last Word Audio, we specialize in geek lit and nerd lit. So things about pop culture and comic books, video games, uh, role playing games, all that kind of thing. Um, and all those titles that I, I've done for audio at, are at uh, lastwordaudio.com. Um, in the past, I also did a podcast called Geekery and Wine, where I, I matched a wine with a particular thing in geek culture. Mm. And then I did some liner notes to one of my earlier audiobooks to kind of say how I got the idea to do that particular audiobooks. And so that's uh, Geekery and Wine, uh, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at Colby Elliott, and that's Elliott with two L's and two T's. And yeah, there it is. There it is. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I got, yeah, you did a great job. See, you, it's like you've done this before. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for uh, doing what you're doing, really, because I'm first and foremost, I'm a fan of cyberpunk. That's like my mm-hmm. thing. I love it so much. I love seeing creators and I love audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of my favorite audiobooks is Sly Flourish's uh, Lazy Dungeon Master. I forgot what it's called. Dungeon Master for the Lazy, something like that. Yeah. Um, and the narrator is yours truly right here <laughs> i knew i heard that voice somewhere when i yeah. when you sent me the uh the the preview <laughs> copy of listen up primitive screwheads i was like hold on wait a minute i've heard this somewhere i just went through my audible i'm like going past <laughs> all the warhammer books and i'm like there it is <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm I appreciate you listening yeah no for sure i love it uh first i guess my first question to you is uh Obviously, you're into tabletop gaming. You're a gamer yourself. Tell us your origins on how you became a gamer. And then let's talk about how maybe they intersected with this dream of yours to do narration for books. Absolutely. Yeah. So I started with the the red basic set, uh, the the Moldvay. And I think I want to say I got it in 82, maybe 
maybe, 80, 1980, and started playing then and just started grabbing all the books. So started with D&D and then moved on through all the different TSR games. Uh, Top Secret was a huge one, Star Frontiers, Boot Hill, Gamma World. You know, we, we did them all. We just, we, we loved them and then branched out into other games. At one point, we we kind of went far off the deep end as far as like super detailed. So we decided we were going to play Role Master. We played Role Master, which mm. I thought, well, educate me. What's Role Master? What is that? Well, Role Master is it, it's a it's it's a hyper detailed and the the different the t- the tables that they have for arms law and spell law and claw law. It it moves up. It's a percentile based game, mm. but the 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 critical tables are just incredibly intricate Mm. and so you know at any moment you can have this amazing character who just happens to take that one shot you know through the through the mask of his helmet he's dead oh wow that's the way it goes and you just you know and but the the tables are just amazing i just i always thought of it when i i got a little older i thought well this is kind of like D D for people who like accountants like they like actuarial tables maybe insurance agents they, they like that so it's very mechanics heavy and super 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 crunchy if, if it's if that's what you're into that is the thing that's and funny so that we you did say that i yeah. oh sorry to sorry to interrupt no no, no i was gonna say that reminds me of a game i had a, a a guy in the cyberpunk community called mr welsh on my podcast and he told me about this game called phoenix command i believe it was oh called. yeah so you know about it oh absolutely he yeah. said yeah you roll like 30 charts to see if a bullet even hit you it was written by like some nasa astrophysicist mm-hmm. so i'm like all right so there's a game for everybody really <laughs> so it's interesting you say that because i i um i've been narrating uh Designers and Dragons by Shannon Applecline. It's a four-volume set of the history of tabletop role-playing, and I've done the 70s, the 80s, and right now I just started uh, doing the 90s. So everything I'm talking about right now is it, it's all White Wolf. You know, everything, everything World of Darkness, and it's really fun. Uh, I love it, but I've I, it's made me just know there's so many games out there, and you know, it, every every interest point and the amount of, because I always had, when I, when I game master, I always have trouble being super data driven. I'm very, very story driven. Yeah. I'm the and, same. I'm the yeah. same. I, so I mess me, up rules. Yeah. I'm like, I'm supposed to be a cyberpunk red expert. Like I make mm-hmm. YouTube videos. People come to me, but yeah. honestly, I'm like the last person on to know rules. I forget <laughs> rules. I just make like decisions on the spot just so we can yeah. move along. I'm totally yeah. like that. Yeah, it's like okay, I want to I want to try and take this guy out with a with um, you know some sort of like called shot or something like that. I go okay, well you're looking at this and this and this and this mm-hmm. this. That seems to me like mm, I don't know twenty percent chance. Does that sound good to you? Uh, you know, and you know, kind of come to sort of a consensus and then build that through the narrative and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's great. I love that. I've always said I don't like anything to come in between the fun, even if it's the game itself. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? I think, do you think maybe that's something, because my first game ever is Cyberpunk 2020. Uh-huh. And I will spare my listeners from the story because I've literally said it every episode because <laughs> I have someone on that's new and I'm like, oh yeah, here's my origin. Yeah. But my buddy introduced me to it. I wanted to play D&D and he's like, no, this is better. And I played Cyberpunk 2020, Rifts. And there's something about those old school 90s RPGs that really 
they they kind of just put it all in your hands they were like yeah. we're not we're not going to explain everything there's no need for that here's the right. basic idea of the attitude of this world right. and just have at it yeah yeah and i i love especially like with cyberpunk how evocative everything is like when you go to read the night city source book you oh. you get this very you know, detailed idea of what this city is all about. Yeah. And, you know, the, the machinations in between and the way and the way the different gangs are working within it. And I always found that there were these things that I always wanted to bring back again and again. And I, I know it's probably cliche, but like my favorite gang to bring it, I love to bring in the bozos. Oh, yeah, of course. I just, it, there's so they're much so fun. sinister. They're yeah. fun. They're messed and, up. And I was doing this before before Batman Beyond came out, you know, and, and you know, and so I was thinking like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. And then I saw that on Batman Beyond. It's like, oh, I bet they played uh, Cyberpunk 2020. <laughs> yeah, serious. yeah, it's interesting. Like, I never considered that. Is there anything else from any of the Chromebooks in, in here somewhere? Batman Beyond? There's got to be something, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy how there was so much parallel thinking. But at the same time, Mike Pondsmith. And the people, the folks at Artalsorian, and all the amazing people that wrote articles in "Listen Up, Primitive Screwheads," mm-hmm. they they were tapped. They tapped into something at that time that's like yeah. became like a timeless, futuristic, present life that we're living in right now. It's really crazy to think about. They did mention um, a, a, a pandemic, and uh, <laughs> not just the, not just like the carbon plague, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, they mentioned a pandemic. They mentioned all kinds of things. You know, at the same time, what I also love about the book is that it has those very lovable flaws that come from 1994, where they start talking about VCRs yeah. and and yeah. mimeograph machines, and I go, well. Yeah, they said yeah, there, okay. I believe there was a line that was like, it's not it's not as difficult as programming a VCR. Or so it was like some kind of 90s line like that. Yeah. It's like, well, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean but yeah. And the, the neat part is about that is that when I when I got the, you know, when I have the script in front of me, you have to come from a place where no, you are you are seeing 2020 still as this bright point on the future. That's where this, you know, this this author was coming from. And yeah. so you need to be dead earnest the same way that like H.G. Wells was when he was thinking forward about how, you know, how to fly to the moon or, or you know, how to go to the center of the earth. You have to have that same sort of earnestness and believe it in the same way that they did. Yeah. So, yeah, to give it that sort of sense of of timelessness. And at the same time, there is humor there that you kind of go, well, well, they didn't know. know? Yeah, totally. It's it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't know. There's a lot of innocence going on. There's a lot of like writings on the wall. Mm -hmm. And then there was a lot of things that they just took a chance on, uh, on it actually being possible. And it was like, now it's like to the nth degree, way past what they ever expected it to be. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing. Um, I've always told people that, uh, it's so difficult to explain to people what my YouTube channel is about because it's such a, I mean, it's as nerd as it gets. It's not even just playing the game. It's not even teaching people how to play the game. It's like the philosophy yeah. of the game. Yes, absolutely. I've, I've always said that like books like Listen Up Primitive Screwheads and stuff like that, those are those like uh, masterpiece scholarly pursuits. You know what I mean? You want to read them to to extract the wisdom from them. 
And it sounds like you're a fan of those types of books too. I mean, hell, you've read them all publicly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as far as philosophical essays go, they are right on the money. They talk about some of the issues that you can bring into your game. And they go from, you know, some of the, the very, very standard, like, you know, okay, we're going to do an infiltration or we're going to do an exfil, you know, and, and those standard types of missions. But then they take it and say, okay, now what if, you know, what if you had two people that could mutually hack into each other's brains? What, what would that mean for like personal intimacy? How would you, how would you know someone in a, in a different, and just asking that question. And I don't know if that's necessarily, if, I mean, you'd have to have a very special group, I think, to try and tackle that completely where it wouldn't be, or it wouldn't feel really awkward. But um, yeah, just asking that question, it's like, well, what what does that mean? And going that deep on it, I just, I, I really appreciated that. Um, yeah, they they give you a chance to explore all kinds of really cool topics. Yeah. It's, it's one of those books that while you're reading it, you're like, it sparks so much inspiration as a game master you're like oh my god i gotta experiment with that in my game and then it also (laughs) reassures you when you're like i totally messed it up last time because i was too worried about x or y and the book gives you great examples on how you just like forget about all that stuff style over Mm -hmm. substance rule of cool have fun yeah um what what uh are you running any games or have you run any cyberpunk games when was the last time you played Oh man, the last time I played Cyberpunk, it was a it was a long time ago, and it was 2020. And it was just that listen up, you primitive screwheads was had been sitting there as this kind of dream project for so long that I finally had the opportunity to do it. But I I hadn't had a chance. I I, I have my my copy over here of of Cyberpunk Red. Mm-hmm. I have not delved into it as much. I've looked at it a little bit just to see what's changed. It's daunting. It's like 400 pages, so I don't blame you. <laughs> Yeah, it's a a monster book. You know, you could hurt someone with that thing. Uh, But a lot of the things that I was looking at, I went, oh, okay, this is a this is not the same at all. It's definitely improved, but the bones are still there enough so that it's not completely foreign to me. Yeah, Um, I was actually supposed to before before the plague hit, I was actually supposed to run a Cyberpunk 2020 game for my my regular Thursday night group during 2020 that was like the the guy who sort of is the administrator for the group he says we have to do this we have to run cyberpunk 2020 in 2020 and i went okay sounds great and then and then when things hit i uh to be honest i i was not prepared to move my my dungeon uh my my refereeing Mm -hmm. to the digital realm yeah yeah it's and you know the different aspects of it um dynamic lighting and all the different things it's uh, i i have not really found my stride in terms of picking up the the referee reins in the digital age yet yeah it's one of honestly as much as uh, i love the digital thing and i wouldn't be able to play if it wasn't if it didn't exist i mean yeah. point in fact 100 percent. i would yeah. most of my games have been played online but when you play in person and you guys see each other, you guys express that body language, there's no mm-hmm. awkward like Zoom talking over each other on Zoom and stuff. There's something special and magical about it that I can't really explain. And while I appreciate the online thing, I totally appreciate and understand what you mean about like, I can't, if it doesn't feel the way that I, I'm used to uh, and enjoy then it's not, it's the next best thing. And I'm not interested in that. You know what I mean? 
Well, and shared snacks. I mean, yeah, yeah. everybody likes shared snacks. Beer, snacks. <laughs> it's all about and, those cigarette breaks. You go outside and you're like, man, what just happened? What do we do? You make a game plan and you come back and you do it. Well, for me, it was, um, I, I always liked uh, with, with the adult games is that I would try to find a bottle of wine that was in the, in the flavor or in the, in the idea yeah. of what we were playing. Hell yeah. You know, you can, you can find something uh, dark and sinister when you're playing any sort of Cthulhu games. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, this is the deepest, darkest red wine that I could find. Here we go. <laughs> it's bitter. Yes. Just right. like the death that you'll be experiencing. <laughs> and the spiral into madness that is inevitable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's interesting that the whole wine pairing thing, I'm so bad with that. I just, if it tastes good and yeah. doesn't give me a hangover, that's, then I like it. Then you know what you like. Yeah, exactly. That's all. That's I mean, that's all there is really. Yeah. Uh, people can say you know all kinds of different things in terms of like you know scents and flavors and all kinds of things, but until you find that one thing that's meaningful for you, mm-hmm. you know, it's all just whatever. And then you find that thing that you really like, and and all of a sudden there's truth there. You know. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So how did this project get started? How did uh did you get in contact with Artel Sorian? Did you kind of do it on your own and then got contact? Let us know. Well, it was it was one of those things that had been boiling in the back of my mind for a while. And I, I wondered, like, oh, I wonder if I could do that. And then I started doing a lot of the other game mastering books. You mentioned uh, the Lazy Dungeon Master. Sly Flourishes, the Lazy Dungeon Master. and I butchered uh, the name, but yes, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> and then The Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, mm-hmm. which was the one that we actually won uh, the gold medal any for in 2019 for best uh, digital book. Mm-hmm. So... I was actually at Gen Con and I was kind of walking the convention floor and I see a tall figure going along and wearing a black trench coat. And I'm like, oh, that looks like Mike Pondsmith. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went up, I went up to him and I, I said, uh, hey, uh, Mr. Pondsmith, I just want to, I just want to thank you for, you know, for, for my, for, for my youth. I, and I, I thought, Wow, that was such an incredibly dumb thing to so say. Bad, but but don't, know, I I didn't know him. I'm not going to judge of, you because I know I'm going to yeah. be just as bad when I meet you. <laughs> it's like this is a hero, yeah. you know. And Will he kind of turns. He turns over. He says, uh, "That's great, thanks." You know, yeah, and yeah, I said, yeah. "I said, well, what would you think of doing an audio book of Listen Up, You Primitive Screwheads?" And he looks over at me and just goes, "Scary." And I went, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> here, here's my you know here i carry around a postcard that has like some of my titles and stuff on it and i handed it to him and i i didn't really think much more about it for about a year and a half as i was working on some other books and whatnot for for role playing and whatnot and then i did one of the things that i do is i'll do like a 10 minute clip and send it to the author and say hey what what do you think and i'll just give them a polished professional first 10 minutes yeah and that is how I, I do about, uh, I would say, 90% of the books that I work on. And it's kind of a one-on-one thing. They get to hear what it might sound like. And and it's a nice way to sort of see if they want to develop a partnership together. Because typically, if I do one book for someone, I end up doing several for them. They like yeah. they like the voice, uh, like Mike Shea, you know, Sly Flourish. Mm-hmm. I've done, you know, two of his Game Master Guides and then one of his uh, adventure pass that he did the ruins of the Grendel route, which is, that was in- incredibly fun to actually 
read, narrate a module basically, and being able to do all the characters. And, and so I got to do all the character voices and it was a nice hybrid between, you know, the how-to books that I do and then the, the full, the full performance ones that I do where I, you know, portray like 20 or 25 characters. I love that idea. Honestly, uh, I have this app cause I'm audiobook guy. Like mm-hmm. that's, I'm so glad it was invented cause <laughs> I consume it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but what some like books, like for example, I have a Starfinder book that I'm pointing at back here, the mm-hmm. Starfinder book. Um, I don't know if there is an audiobook version out there, an official one, but what I ended up doing is I bought the PDF. I copied the PDF into this app that reads it aloud for you, but it's the robotic Google voice. Sure. You know, it's like, it's not as good as it could be, but that's the only way I can really, I, every time I open a book and read it, I don't know if you're the same, I fall asleep. I don't know if it's a dad thing. I don't know yeah. what it is. But So yeah, I have friends that you can hand them the book and I will, and they can, I will read this and we will run this game next week. And that has never been me. Yeah. If I can sit in on the game, kind of see how it goes, then it gives me, it gives the, the words, the rules that are in the book, some actual meaning that I can attach to in my head. So if I do it first and then look at the book, the book becomes infinitely more meaningful. 100%. Whereas if I just try to read it, it'll just be kind of like, oh yeah. And then you roll against this bit of... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 I forget things. I'm like, I went through two pages. I didn't retain anything. Yep. But when I'm driving, I'm focused. I got it on on my head or I'm on my headphones. I'm doing like grocery shopping. It's the best. I take it all in and, yeah. and I love it. I, so um, so you got started. Mike gave you a call out of the blue or how did that work? No, no, no. I sent him uh, I sent him about the first 10 minutes of it. And, and he liked uh, it. And then, and and then that was yeah. it. And they said, "Hey, uh, you know, we've never done audiobooks before, mm-hmm. but this sounds great. What do you What do you propose?" And I said, "Well, here's what I think we should do." And I, I laid out kind of like our our path towards getting it published. And uh, yeah, as of July fifth, we are officially on Audible and iTunes and uh, Amazon Digital Download. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And I gotta tell you guys that are listening, if you want any advice, I give you. All of that stuff is in this book and more. Everything I learned is from this book and other books similar to it. But this is like has to be top two. Uh, honestly, might even be number one because I can't even think of a number two <laughs> like to put it next to it. But especially in the cyberpunk setting. But there's so many universal truths in books like these and in this book that you can take along with you for any game. Mm-hmm. And and it's such a good resource. If there's any book that you should read, it's this one. And I, I appreciate that you put it on Audible and, and you have it available for us. Can I ask you a question that you may not be able to answer, but we could like <laughs> slyly answer it? We could we could do a hypothetical. Okay. So it- hypothetically, could it be possible that you might be doing other Artelsorian books down the line? I, I would, I would love to do, there are quite a few that, I mean, I have shelves. I have, not only do I have things like, uh, you know, Dream Park, you know, oh, a module wow. for Dream Park, which I love, but then I also have um, Castle Falkenstein, oh, which nice. I absolutely adore. And it's very, you know, it's very narrative in, in the way that it's done. And there, you know, there's other really cool things about it. I mean, I, 
there's a lot in the Artelsorian worlds that I absolutely adore. Yeah. Uh, and I think could make really good audiobooks. It's just a question of of finding out, you know, if 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 that's something that uh, the Artelsorian fans want, mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll kind of see how it goes. And I hope they do because it's a blast to do. And some of the some of the discoveries are just amazing. Like one of the authors in the book, Eric Heiserer, mm-hmm. um, went on to be an Academy Award nominee for uh, Arrival. So, yeah, when I heard you say that in the pro or prologue, <laughs> uh, what is it? The one before the the like foreword that you did from yes. the narrator. Yeah, I, that shocked me. I had no idea. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And I'm I'm reading his words and I'm going, okay, this guy eventually is going to be an Academy Award nominee. And right now he's giving me advice when he's much younger mm-hmm. about how to run the best Cyberpunk 2020 game that I can. I love it. It's I just, amazing. I love it. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> you that's put so me cool. in this amazing point in time and I just want to revel in it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, hey, hey, as a fan, I hope that that's exactly what happens. And in the future, we get some more, uh, maybe even future books that they write. Uh, even maybe the Cyberpunk Red Core rulebook, that would be a really cool thing to do as well. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, you read all these RPG books. You have mm-hmm. all this vast knowledge from these amazing books. How are you putting it into practice? <laughs> Not as much as I should, mm. and not as much as I buy in terms of RPGs, just to take in, and in terms of like um, just general general uh, kindling for my brain, you know, my my creative brain. Because I also do a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I write uh, travel logs. I did a travel log of uh, going to San Diego Comic Con. Mm. I did another one for New York Comic Con, and I'm uh, finishing up the trip to Gen Con. I'm going to do as kind of a travel log that I'll put out as well. Oh, nice. And yeah, so writing's a big passion too, and a lot of those those worlds I like to grab things from, or you know, I'll reskin for for games that I'm thinking about running, and you know, it's it's it all kind of goes into that coalescence of kind of like my dream campaign of the thing that I want to run. Yeah, uh, is it in practice as much as it should be? No, probably not. But I got to say that, um, you know, if if actors who are on screen or actors who are in television, you know, you always talk about they go, oh, yeah, I go to improv class every Tuesday and Thursday and it helps keep me fresh. It helps keep me, you know, nimble. Yeah. Um, for me, the playing that I do of role playing games, it keeps my it keeps my tongue nimble. It keeps the characters that I create nimble. It keeps my thinking really nimble, too. And I, I think that is you know, I draw a lot of inspiration from those things to create the characters that I then have at the table with my friends. Yeah, that's a great point that you make. I find myself the most creative when I have an active game going on Mm -hmm. because I'm always thinking of new ideas, always experimenting. But if we're on like hiatus, we're not doing anything, my creativity just like stops for, for a little bit. So I totally get it. Anytime any, I'm I'm placed on a, a, a shortened deadline too, it tends to inspire, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, the game is literally Thursday and it's Tuesday and you kind of sort of know where things are going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what should you do about that? All of a sudden, I'm incredibly inspired to do a lot. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? I'm the exact same way. I had a commission, uh, my buddy, I made a friend in the local Warhammer scene. Mm-hmm. and he's like oh you paint you paint really well 
I'm like, I guess I just started in the pandemic. But he's like, no, no, you paint well enough here. And he just dropped all these things on me. He's like, I need this by Thursday. Could you do it? And I was like, a full-time job. I have my hobbies, have my family. Is there any room? No. Yes, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) So, and in two days, I did like 16 hours of painting and Mm -hmm. got it all done and like rise to the occasion. But if I did, if I took on any more work, I would have never painted again. Mm-hmm. I would have been completely burned out. Do you like deal with any kind of burnout or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. But what you just said there, you know, I I I was raised in, in Nebraska, and I don't know if you have this this saying, you know, where you were at, but they, it's kind of a folksy saying they always had in Western Nebraska. They said, uh, you know, if you want a job done, give it to a busy man. Oh, you I know? love that. That's actually that's actually great. That because I, I work in the construction field. Yeah. And yeah. And that's like a huge thing. You always want the guy that's busy because that yeah. means he does good work. Yeah. And he's also got a workflow that makes him efficient in getting getting stuff done. Yeah. Everybody yeah. wants to work with him. That's why he's busy. Don't go with right. the guy that's available because no one wants to work with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why is he so available? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so cheap and so available. Run away. <laughs> uh, construction. Yeah. I, I had uh, yeah. I had a lot of, of fun, fun summers. When I was in college, I worked for the department of roads and, uh, I was with a construction company for a while and we replaced, uh, clay sewer pipes with PVC. Oof. Yeah, it That's was hard. It, I, 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 it was, I think I lost like 15 pounds that summer because nothing, I, I just couldn't eat. I'm like, ah, no, no, people are gross. I can't take it. I know, I know. I do, uh, I do roofing demolition. So we tear off old oh, okay. roofing stuff and I take it yeah. to the landfill and all that. So I know all about smelly smells. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, and then there was another summer where I was, uh, doing, we were resurfacing roads up in the sandhills in, in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So it's the third largest desert in the world, basically. And it's, the sun is beating down on you and it's a desert. The, the sand hills. And so it feels like about 115 degrees and you're standing behind an asphalt laying machine that's laying asphalt at 278 degrees. Oh. So you could drink literally like 10 gallons of water and you would never have to go to the bathroom and your skin would look fantastic because you just sweat it all through. Oh uh, Yeah. That's such a weird <laughs> phenomenon. That's so funny that you mentioned that. I <laughs> yeah. was thinking that today I, I started the job having to go to the bathroom, but I held it. And then by the end of the job, I was like, wait a minute, what happened to that bathroom? Right? <laughs> it's that's right. it's in me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I've been, uh, I don't know how you try to balance things out, but uh, the hobby life, the hobby mm-hmm. gaming stuff is like really what keeps me sane mm-hmm. yeah. while I try to do all the like adult responsibilities. How do you juggle, like, uh, I know you kind of actually you found a thing where your career is kind of involved with you with the things that you like as well. Yes. But how do you balance the, the game night with everything? Well, you know, I have the, the Thursday night game and then I have a second game that I play in. That's like every other Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And that one is four people and it is two Unitarian ministers. Uh, one of the Unitarian ministers, husband and myself. Mm-hmm. And it's a mystery, it's a mystery game. And so it's it's good that it's really small and tight and and because we're all the detectives and yeah. we're like a team of detectives. Yeah. And um, you know, that one is only every other week because they're very busy and especially on Sunday. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh 
uh, and so, and the Thursday night group is just kind of that, that block of time. Um, I just kind of set it off as, as being, that's going to be, you know, my improv time. Yeah. And it is, it is, it really does help my, my job and my ability to communicate by the way that I can do narrative. If I'm, if I'm DMing Mm -hmm. or, or game mastering or the way I'm doing characterizations. So it's one of those things. And that I think my youngest in the house is, is uh, they will, they will sort of be outside the door and you can, you know, that they're sort of out there listening, especially if it was like a battle or something what like nerdy that. nerdy thing is dad doing in there? <laughs> well, oh, okay. And so they actually are uh, in middle school. They, they joined their D and D club. Oh, nice. And someone said, you know, Oh, your dad, like he's, he's a gamer too. And, I, and they went, yeah, yeah, he is. It's like, well, that means you should be a dungeon master. Oh, and they just the said, pressure. okay. And, the, <laughs> <laughs> and so all of a sudden I'm looking kind of around, I look around in my office and I'm seeing gaps in the shelves. It's uh, like, oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Where's that book? Hold on a sec. That's so hey, cool. <laughs> that's cool. You raised a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, great. It's really, it's neat. In in a, in a few weeks, um, my son who's 28, my daughter who's 20, and my youngest are all actually going to be in the house, and we're we're already trying to figure out what games we want to do and who's going to game master and and which things. We, it's going to be it's going to be amazing. So. It's really amazing how books like listen up primitive screwheads and similar ones there because being a game master is such a complicated uh i can't really say it in one sentence uh, i can it'll be a poor way of explaining it but there's so many philosophies there's so many different things that a game master can do different styles that you can just continue reading these books on and on and always learn something even after you've read them all yeah, uh, and that's you know part of the reason why I did all of the different ones that that I that I've narrated. You've got the ones that are like never unprepared by Phil Vecchio. And he mm-hmm. actually breaks it down hour to by hour how much time you need to prepare to do a, a game. It's super super detailed. And then you've got like Graham Walmsley's play Unsafe, mm-hmm. which I, I narrated and and they were almost like passages like like Zen koans. They were like this is the Tao Te Ching of of game master guides. Yeah, and then you know and then you've got kind of like the middle of the road, which is a little bit of both, which is like uh, Robin Laws, you know you know Robin's Laws of good game mastering, which I uh, again I mean they each have their notions of how how much balance there needs to be between you know, the storytelling and the world creation and yet making sure that, you know, Hey, we're all good friends sitting here having, having an awesome time. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's really the thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it is really, that's what it is. It's all about having fun. Uh, have you read, uh, or listened to your best game ever? I, ha- I I actually submitted an audition, uh, to, to uh, potentially narrate that book. Oh, uh, it's such a good uh, book, isn't it? It's, it's, it's really I, the, the different, the different perspectives that they put in there and the different essays. It's a, uh, it's a really cool book. I, mm-hmm. I was actually one of the people who I, I did support it on Kickstarter. Oh, nice. nice. I, yeah, I loved it. And uh, I'd love to do some stuff with, uh, with Monty Cook games too. There's just, there's a lot there in terms of their fiction and their books and whatnot that I think would make really great audiobooks. So there, that might be something that we have to look into too. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I hope that works out for you. That would be great. 
they yeah. I like that book because it starts uh it starts from zero. You don't have to know anything. Right. Uh, like listen to primitive screwheads is within the scope of a cyberpunk game. And mm-hmm. even though it's meant for Cyberpunk 2020, I, I'm, I promise you, everything in that book can be used in red. And I mean everything, cover to cover. Maybe not the VCR part, but <laughs> <laughs> everything else cover to cover can be used within your Cyberpunk red game for sure. And when I started listening to Best Game Ever, the it starts from like, you know, finding friends, what's a role-playing game, dice, pa- paper and pencil... And you would think that after all these years of playing that I would learn nothing from that, that it would all just be superfluous information. But going back to those basics really helped me a lot and inspired me in my tabletop gaming. And I was like, man, how is this possible that 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 can happen? Yeah, maybe maybe as a game as a game master, you kind of go through uh, different stages. Because mm. I remember when we when you when you're first starting, I remember we went through that that Monty Hall stage where you love making your players happy, and so they get you get all the treasure, and you have all the wands, and you have all the swords, and all the armor, and don't worry about encumbrance. No one pays attention to that. Mm. <laughs> and then you know later on, you might go through that 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 really stingy phase where, you know, the man, there's a lot of deaths here. Mm-hmm. This is like a George R.R. R. Martin, you know, you know, series right here. And it's too of complicated because I'm introducing too many new mechanics. <laughs> now I've convoluted the game. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's it's, you're right. There's definitely those stages where you start and, and you're new to it. Actually, I don't know about you, but my favorite players are the ones that I've never played before. That that are just they have no like preconceived notion on what's supposed to happen. So when they get to the tavern and they talk to the barkeep, instead of just ordering meat or whatever, they do something completely different. Right. And everybody in the party that's experienced goes like, "Oh man, we never thought of that before." (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I live for. I live for. You do a lot of writing, so you might feel the same way. But I live for throwing obstacles at my players and just seeing how they overcome it with no plan on a solution. I've never, well, there's I no point. Yeah. yeah. There's no point to plan because they're going to take whatever you did and they're going to go like, you know, they'll fly, they'll fly over the trap or, or they'll do something. I, I have, I have one player who they are the puzzle master. Mm-hmm. And so the, the idea, his best game would be if he had to com- completely get through like a whole den of traps and it never, never at one point was he ever in any danger at all because he's so clever. Yeah. That's exactly, that's the player that he is. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So I can, I can spool out, oh, this is what I think you're going to go and do here. It's like, or this is what I think you're going to go here, but they'll go a different direction. And all the planning that I did to get them over here, it will, will not, will not even matter. Yeah. <laughs> no plan will survive your players. That's for sure. <laughs> that is Plan true. to not have a plan. Uh, it's also... <laughs> bad if you don't have anything because yes. then it's like what are we doing here you know you have to have something for us but if if you yeah. focus too much that that's the other thing maybe you can give me some wisdom on that what's your time management like on planning things how much do you focus on plot points and ideas and uh and stuff like that well i mean if i'm gonna game master i'm i'm looking at it like i'm thinking of it in terms of 
how much time do we have within the context of our game? So if we're playing from, let's say seven to 10, then you're looking at a three hour session, but you know, there's going to be some times in there where people are going to want to kind of unwind and talk about off topic stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so you got, I think that in terms of like, okay, it's a movie. And so right now here, we're starting the first act. What is going to propel them into that second act? And what is going to get them into that third act? So you can go with your traditional, like, James Bond moment to start things off. So you're in media rest and, uh, you know, you're on, you know, you're on top of the blimp having the fight and, you know, we'll see what happens here. And, you know, that that's one way of definitely going about it. I think envisioning it that way as a three act into itself is more satisfying. That way you get to the end of the evening and it feels like you guys have done something. Yeah. Um, because I, I, there's been a couple of times where two battles in a night was one too many yeah because you know the battle takes 45 minutes to resolve and in reality that was 10 seconds worth of time exactly exactly <laughs> and then and then you know okay so that 10 minutes took up an like 45 really oh come I on know. man so and you want to get to that narrative those narrative pieces too so yeah 100 yeah, percent. yeah i feel i know exactly what you mean i love the fact that uh i love phrasing it as a movie just like you said because the structure of a movie just works so perfectly for telling a story the uh one of the my favorite gm game master books uh I, i'm going to recommend to you is the, a guide to writing epic campaigns Mm -hmm. by guy sclanders i don't know if you've read that one i haven't you haven't okay so hey mm -hmm. i got you a new one yeah uh guy sclanders <laughs> i've had him on my channel he's he goes by how to be a great gm on youtube mm -hmm. and he's just one of those guys that just has infinite wisdom for game mastering like universal truths and stuff like that he wrote a book and basically the book takes the premise of screenwriting because he has a background mm -hmm. in screenwriting Yes. And he takes all those techniques and he marries it into writing for tabletop gaming. So one of his uh, ma major things, like his uh, phrases is, every story has a beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah. So that's one, two, three. That's, mm -hmm. that's what you need. You need a beginning, middle, and an end. Everything else in between that happens is up to your players. But as long as you have those three things then there's something that they're always looking forward to. And there's something down the road, no matter what happens. Yeah. And yeah. he also introduces this one thing called the, the sentence that I use immensely. And it's basically this one sentence explains the entire plot. It's the master plot, basically. And it's like a great formula on how to do it. Have you used those kinds of techniques in your, when you're planning your games? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, I think one of the things that I've tried to do, too, is to make sure that there was something overarching of where we were going. Um, and that may not be something that 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 brings itself out in the first game or even in the first couple of games. Yeah. But you'll start to see within the, the, the arcs of those individual characters, you'll start to see a certain commonality with where that particular player wants this character to go. And I think once you see where they're headed and you can kind of point to that path, you can bring it towards a kind of a, have the themes coalesce for the characters. Mm -hmm. But that's a that's a pretty advanced move. And sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes 
they just want to kill some bad guys. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> your idea falls flat. You're like, yeah. oh man, yeah. that idea won't work anymore because I went down this path through my player's creativity and it totally messed everything up. Yeah. Or you thought, you know, you thought you know how that character. It's like, oh, I know exactly how that character is going to react when I hand them this item, this powerful item. Oh yeah. And they completely don't. <laughs> oh yeah, they just go like, what is it? Huh? What is it? Yeah, Can I, I sell know. it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. smoking it's smoking with magical power mm, i don't know oh mm, yeah that happened maybe. to me once i i rewarded one of my players he was like a uh uh halfling rogue in one of my mm. D games and he was like a chaotic character that loved trouble making trouble and stuff like that so i gave him a deck of cards mm-hmm. and each one every time he pulled a card out he would have to roll on the chaos magic table uh in 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 the in the book yeah so like i would say you'd throw the card and it it behaves exactly like whatever the result is in the book and then we'll cross it out and that won't happen the next time right he never used it once i know and i'm like come on dude it's so cool you're a rogue that could do chaos magic isn't that amazing he never used it once had no interest in using it or anything so I assembled uh, a group of, of characters that were um, pulp era kind of mm. heroes. Pulp Cthulhu? No. Well, kind of. Mm-hmm. It, it was, uh, it was uh, amazing adventures. Um, mm. And I turned them loose in Planescape, in the Planescape world, because oh, I had all the old Planescape books. Mm-hmm. So I put them on the infinite staircase and had them go around. Yeah. And then I thought, well, I'm going to bring in something else here. So I brought in another type of, of magic user from Mage the Ascension that were like the techno mages, and they were trying to destroy magic within this. So they collapsed the infinite staircase. Oh my goodness. And then I gave everyone in everyone who was within the infinite staircase, the ability to use magic. Mm-hmm. But every time you cast any spell, you lost one year of your life for every level of spell. Oh, so you see people that are, you know, casting disintegrate, disintegrate, disintegrate. And all of a sudden they're 27 years older. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, man. and so I gave, I gave this character a ring that had a wish in it and her husband had died. And that was actually what made her become an adventurer. And I collapsed the infinite staircase. And then I put a really nasty, evil, bad guy, uh, you know, in their path. And then I handed her this, this ring with a wish on it. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, she'll do one of those three things. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, so when you put the ring on, I'm not putting the ring on. I'm putting it a little in the pouch. Oh, my goodness. Use the damn okay. ring. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, use the thing. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Just use it, please. It, it calls to you. It, it whispers to you. That's right. Because it, 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 whatever you use it for is going to make this epic turn that every it's going to be so incredibly memorable. I know. But uh. it's, this, it's this present that just never gets over. Did you go, oh? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny you sign this thing because you're like their their curiosity is gonna make them want to use right. the ring, and yeah. I'm like, here is a ring for you from your husband. It's mm-hmm. there's something special about it, and they're like, all right, I'll put it in a pocket for safekeeping. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like this is a very special bottle of wine, mm-hmm. and then the day is never special enough to actually use to actually open up the special bottle of wine. So yeah, yeah. Um, 
bringing it back to cyberpunk uh mm-hmm. tell me about your old school cyberpunk days what's what's some of the memorable characters memorable things that have happened in the oh. 2020 games i know there's so many i'm the same <laughs> <laughs> well the 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 things that were the most interesting i think was trying to time it out so that you had you know your physical group and then you had your net running group mm-hmm. and you had them able to run a parallel campaign and that was always really interesting and really a challenge because my solos and and my nomads and my cops and everything they just wanted to have a big old shootout of course and so, yeah and so you just you put enough uh, enough bullets in the way and and then then you gradually i found that for me it was dealing with um mission creep well not mission creep but um power creep mm. because all of a sudden you've got these people it's like well okay how long before every single person that's packing a pistol is basically a full-on board yeah exactly you got to match the players or else it becomes uh not as fun for yeah, everybody it- and it becomes just a kind of a, a, a pew pew game, which is, is not very yeah. stylistically cyberpunk. Yeah. But, yeah. But then you kind of sacrifice a little bit of the narrative because no longer can they just like get into a fight with a punk on the street. Right. Which is totally a cyberpunk trope. Like a guy bumps into you and he looks at you with his one cyber eye and goes, watch where you're going. Yeah. That's great for beginning level. But once you got tens on all your stats and you're a super Arasaka killer solo, I mean, <laughs> those, those, that poor guy. <laughs> well, and that's when you turn to that 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 chapter in in uh, "Listen Up, You Primitive Screwheads," where Mike talks about his dirty tricks for for bad punks, oh. and he's like, "How to bring them? How to bring them into line?" You know, even though they have these amazing stats, it's like, okay, if you want to be you want to be a uh, ten, you know, on your uh, on your on your soloness, cool. That means you are the guy. Yeah. And as the guy, here comes everything that goes along with being the guy. Yeah, here's all the people, crap. <laughs> here's all the people that are upset that you That's right. Um the you know it's interesting you mentioned the dirty tricks. That's one of the things that I really loved about this book, Listen to Primitive Screwheads. There's a lot of like really great lessons. It's funny that we waited till 50 minutes in to really dissect the book. I mean, it's it's one of those books that I can sit here and tell you what's in the book and sell it to you chapter by chapter, or I can just tell you that beginning to end, it's the, it's, it's got everything you need. And and every article by all these, it's, it's written by different artists or or, sorry, different authors. Uh, They're like little articles and they're giving you their like insight on how they run their games, how they play it, what worked for them, how they dealt with problems that, uh, that occur even today in gaming and it's like universal truths. So I, one of them is the dirty tricks. I love that thing. It's, it's such a great way to engage with your players. How do you balance the, the thing where you bring a dirty trick, but you don't want it to be so bad where they're like, dude, what the hell? You know what I mean? Why did you do that? (laughs) I think, I think as long as you give them a way to, as long as you give them a way to solve it, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you can give them, it's like, well, if you had done this, if you hadn't been reckless here, you would have caught this and you would have easily overcome 
this this factor but because you were a little bit reckless and but that's you know that's kind of like that's that is in many ways every role-playing game but you don't want to get them to the point where you know they they're poking every door with a 10-foot pole and listing it before they go in you know you don't want to be so you don't want them to be so careful that they're not being adventurous because they're adventurers you know they're supposed to be the hero heroes make bold you know adventuring decisions and yeah, so that there is a little bit of a balance there, but that, yeah, having the statistics there behind it, it's hard because you've got those people who are just, that's their gift is they can add up all of the different, uh, you know, modifiers in such a quick way that they can overcome, they can basically walk through your group of guys who just have standard handguns or even submachine guns. Yeah, exactly. There's a there there is even in like the book there's a way to surprise attack your players mm-hmm. but even in the designs of almost every rpg that i've ever played there is a parachute there they're not a parachute but there's a way out in whether you spot it like with a perception check mm-hmm. or or there's some kind of mechanic involved with surprise attacks and i think that mentality with my dirty tricks is is what i bring to it so i always have I'll let the chaos of the dice punish you instead of my crazy, crappy idea <laughs> that's going to destroy you. You know what I mean? Does it though? I mean, a lot of times the chaos of the dice ends up punishing me. If I, I know, it's like I, I, I want to be open. I want to have every role out there in the open. I really, really do. Yeah. But at the same time, there's like I, I've had points where it's like this is my main villain, and he can't hit anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's definitely rolling behind the screen. Is there? There's something to that too. Do you ever do this thing where you just roll for nothing, and mm-hmm. then you just tell your players like, "Oof, all right, here we go." <laughs> it's it's the little interjections that. Oof, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh wow, yeah. really? A ten this time? Okay, well, <laughs> man. And then they're like, "What is that? What is that?" Yeah. <laughs> it was nothing. It's like, hey, what's your uh, what's your awareness notice again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, Write mm, it down. Mm, You're writing it down really mm. gets them. <laughs> yeah, and a little, a little shake. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, man, the is there any chance that you're going to be running a Cyberpunk Red game soon? I don't know. I I I want to really start getting going with uh, in person again. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Yeah, I miss having people and around and I've got a, a dining room table that is just aching to have some, you know, have some some dice rolled on it. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that time when the kids, you know, in, in about a month when the kids come back, that might be the one we'll have to break out because they've they've not done a whole lot of other genre type of stuff. Most of what they've done has been has been D&D. Mm. So, yeah, bring yeah. them to the real world. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. That's fun. The, there's a lot of the thing about it. Uh, cyberpunk that I really love and it's touched on in the book as well primitive screwheads I gotta keep saying that just in case people don't know what book I'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) the book again is listen up you primitive screwheads there it is and Bruce Campbell's line from (laughs) from army of darkness and just transposed it a little bit because it was funny because it was the 90s and (laughs) that's what that's exactly to my point ironically is style over substance Yes. He could have said the Cyberpunk GM's guidebook, 
Totally. Or he could have put, listen up your primitive screw heads. And then that artist is Chris Hawkabout. I've had him on my podcast too. And he made this amazing piece of art where it's this giant cyber guy smashing your head and pointing at you like you're an idiot and you need to learn from me. <laughs> and that's, that's what cyberpunk is really all about. It's all about not taking it seriously and, and taking it, let it be dramatic. Like there are dramatic moments. There's moments where you have that like uh, inglorious bastards uh, scene with where they're in the, the bar I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen the movie where the, the German officers there. Yeah, the three, uh, that tension, that, if you can capture that in a game and have that back and forth, I mean, chef's But that's the, that, that micro expression that was happening at the table with them when he, when he went like this and you saw his, his eye go like that. Yeah. That, that quick micro expression was absolutely everything. It was, it was beautiful. It was yeah. just like beautifully planned, beautifully done. It looked like they were out of the woods. Yes, and the guy was gonna let him go, and then that one thing happened. If you can somehow capture that as a game master, I mean, that's like the most wonderful thing ever. That's the and that's the moment that you end up talking about. You know, years each time you get together later on when you're just sitting around talking. Do you remember that moment? You know, yeah, yeah. One of my most memorable cyberpunk moments is when my players ran away because I totally didn't expect it. I did not expect them to run away. I had been planning this thing where they hit up a Merc bar that was owned by a corporate. So basically the corporate was using this as just like extra side money and then her money was robbed. So she did the next the thing that you do as a corporate. You go, oh yeah, whoever those people were, just send a hit squad after them because mm-hmm. we can't have that kind of stuff happening. Right. So I planned it. I was like, you know, there's consequences. You can't just rob a place for no reason. And I, I was like, it has to be a hit. They have to show up, big guns. I'll put a minigun in a, in a van. They open the van door, miniguns in their face. <laughs> what are they going to do? <laughs> and I planned this um, like intricate, they'll block off this street and go over here. And then game day came and I just got so nervous because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, what if I kill them? Mm-hmm. right now you know what i mean yeah. i put a minigun in the van but if i put it anything less than it's not really a hit they're not really trying right. to kill them right you know what i mean if it's a minigun yeah. they're trying to kill them and there's not going to be any drama unless there's the possibility of a tpk exactly exactly so i rolled the dice uh you know no pun intended and they open the the van door and one of my players goes i throw a grenade at the van and drive off and I go, oh my God, that's genius. You disabled the van and you yep. got away. <laughs> and I remember that to this day. I'll always remember the time where they ran away when I thought I was going to kill them. That's the kind of drama. You have any of those kinds of stories? Uh, I had a, a mansion that I was sending a group, a hit squad to go into to try and, I mean, they weren't technically a, a hit squad. Technically they were, they were robbing the place because mm-hmm. you know, that's what you do. But they, and there was nothing really there in terms of like, uh, you know, electronics, you know, there was no, there was, there was nothing, uh, no alarms really. I mean, it was, Mm. it was very Luddite and they couldn't figure it out. And everything is like, wow, this is like super easy. No problem. Okay. Uh Well, maybe this was what it was supposed to be. And what I decided to do was I, there was, uh, this really cool, um, illustration that I found of a cybered up, gorilla 
that had like Wolverine claws. Oh wow! Yeah, and I put, I put, yeah, I put it in the mansion. Oh Jesus Christ! Because yeah. I'm thinking like, yeah, you don't need well, an alarm system if you got no. a gorilla with Wolverine. That's claws. right. You got, you got a gorilla, a mountain gorilla who could, without Wolverine claws, destroy you. Exactly. But you know, you give him Wolverine claws, and I think I gave him like infrared like goggles so that he, you know. You would you would just kind of see him lumbering through, and you oh see the God, red that's eyes. Terrifying, and it was, it was, <laughs> and it was basically. And they went, "Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know this from somewhere. Where do I know this from?" And I went, mm-hmm. "I don't know what you mean." It's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, no." Uh oh. This is murders from the Rue Morgue, and I went. Mm, yeah. Uh, you copied an idea. <laughs> I did. I just yeah, like yeah, left yeah, it yeah. out of there, and I thought, well, but seriously, we could make this incredibly terrifying. Yeah, for sure. And it was. It was. It was like Alien, you know, for a while. You know, the way things were going through it. And I, I also really, we did a lot of fun memories with, uh, made a lot of fun memories with like um, uh, Night's Edge and some of the more the more oh, yeah. weird things, the vampire elements and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the media junkie, uh, love, I love some of those and like sabbatica and some of the, the purple covered ones that they did. I loved a lot of those too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The night's edge books actually I have, uh, my buddy gave it to me. Do I have it right here? Uh, no, that's live and direct. I have it somewhere here. I don't want to spend the whole time looking for, Oh, is this it? Yeah, that's it. Boom. Yep. Dream pod nine. Yeah, this is one of those rare, rare books. It's really hard to find uh, much of the series. And this is like original print and everything. Yeah. My buddy gave it to me as a gift. I've been wanting to run it. It's, um, I don't know how you feel. I know that there's Shadowrun, which is a cyberpunk world married into like a D&D kind of world. Right. I like keeping those elements separate. I do think like Cthulhu mythos, and just like the the sanity and and horror can work yeah. in cyberpunk that's for sure because yeah. there's some horrific things with technology technology makes things that are like cold and heartless and and stuff like that but as far as like supernatural magical things i found it really hard to put them together how do you feel on that subject well you know i i really love bringing in other 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 role-playing games into it and having crossovers like in comic books. Oh. And, and so for me, as soon as I looked at it, I was like, okay, there's vampires in night city, but well, if there's vampires in night city, surely there must be mages in night city mm-hmm. because techno techno mage techno mages are, are basically, you know, technicians. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have a whole other thing that you can kind of weave in there. And once you bring mages in there, they can warp the fabric of reality with their will and only have to deal with the paradox of what they created. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you've got this very visceral world of bullets and steel and chrome. And then you've got this, this, this paradoxical world of what is reality. And in between, you've got a, a little bit of a playground that you can use with the, with the, with AI and with yeah. the net, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And I love the that that three those three levels, you know, mm-hmm. having being able to sort of weave them in between is is really interesting and enticing. And I, you know, I, I do like bringing in those those mages into different things. Like I said, I brought them into the the Amazing Adventures slash Planescape game that I did. I, I brought in the techno mages, and I, I found them to just be 
always an interesting, inexplicable villain where you don't necessarily know why they're doing it, but you know they're doing something serious and you probably should stop it. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and I totally see it. I get what you're talking about. The There is the those three levels. I've always called the Netrunner mm-hmm. the, the, the kind of mage of cyberpunk because... It's it's that joke where your Wi-Fi goes out and you call a guy to come fix it and he just like unplugs it and plugs it back in. But to you, you're like, I don't know what kind of sorcery you're doing <laughs> to fix this. The net runner is that, but there's bullets flying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I always thought of it that way. When they're in the net, they're in this alternate reality is really where they are. Yeah. And yeah. it's like a whole world that's being colonized by by humanity. We created this world and then now we're colonizing it and we're navigating through it. And then there's like stories like Raish Bart Moss uh, like destroying it. That's what happens in Red, by the mm-hmm. way. Spoiler alert if you haven't read it. But <laughs> the net completely shuts down because he just like spreads this virus that self-replicates throughout the entire net. So all you have are these local city nets. And that's what makes these net runners have to be there locally with the party instead of being in a panic room. Uh-huh. They have to be there now. So, okay. so narratively, what that tells me is all those net runners that were like safe in their panic room, they had to make a choice. Either stop doing what I'm doing and not risk my life or, you know, grow a pair <laughs> learn learn how to use a gun and and get up in there, you know, get into an Arasaka building and hack a control node face to face with yeah. some buddies. And it makes yeah. them like these crazy uh, maniacs, really, is what they are. Yeah. Like uh, did you see Army of the Dead? Oh yeah, of course. I love that series. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. the safe cracker. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he literally he he became just the, the, that element that you w- were looking forward to see in every scene he was in. Yeah. And he is if this was a cyberpunk campaign, he's your netrunner right there. Yeah, 100%. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's I never thought about that. That's funny. Yeah. Well, Colby, thank you so much. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I really appreciate everything you're doing as a fan for the community and I I wish you nothing but success good health and happiness throughout all of your creative endeavors. And if there's anything that's coming up and you want to promote it, please let me know. Come on the podcast. We'll promote it. We'll talk about it or anything, you know, anything coming up. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. The the reason why I do all of these game master books is because I, I want there to be more game masters out there because more game masters means more people playing around, you know, playing, telling stories around a table together and, you know, kindling that, that friendship, that camaraderie that we get at the gaming table, which is just meant everything to me, you know, when I was growing up. And I think for the next generation of gamers, it's important for them to have that too. And so thank you for, for listening and thank you for, for running groups and and thank you for doing this. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. This is, my favorite thing to do is talking about these things that normal people in a coffee shop would think we're crazy about talking about. <laughs> what, what are they saying? What are, they read books, but what are they actually talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I, I love it. And I love uh, being able to meet people like you within this hobby. And uh, I hope to see more of your stuff in the future. 
Thanks so much. I yeah, really no appreciate. problem. Make sure you guys go to Colby Elliott on Twitter. Is right at Colby Elliott. At Colby Elliott on Twitter, or the website is lastwordaudio.com. That's lastwordaudio.com. That's right. And you can find some of Colby's work at audible.com as well as Listen Up Primitive Screwheads, my favorite, which I've come to realize, my number one uh, game master guide. I would highly recommend it, especially for the players in Cyberpunk and Game Masters as well. Thank you guys so much for Colby and I and Artel Sorin Games and everybody. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys on the next one. Take care and bye-bye. I'm playing music right now that you can't hear. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. This was really fun. Yeah, I, really I had a blast. Chat.